everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Always a pleasure to be able to spend an empowering hour with you, and today we're going to do exactly that. We begin with Kit College, which is in India, and they did a study to find foods that fight rheumatoid arthritis symptoms and progression. And it's a good list of foods, which has been proven by their studies to be beneficial on the progression and symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis, and it was published in Frontiers in Nutrition. The authors suggest incorporating these foods into the diet to support management of this debilitating autoimmune disease. Here's what they say, quote, Regular consumption of specific dietary fibers, vegetables and fruits and spices, as well as the elimination of components that cause inflammation and damage can help patients to manage the effects of rheumatoid arthritis. And I just want to do a little pause here because it was in 1975 that I interviewed one of the top rheumatologists representing the rheumatologists in America in New York City on WMCA. At that time, it was the official position of all the rheumatologists and the association that there was no connection whatsoever between what you ate or drank and either causing symptoms or reversing symptoms. And I said, are you sure you want to keep with that? He said, yes. And I said, because I've worked with a lot of individuals as nutritionists and as a dietitian. I didn't have my doctor at that time. Uh, and in scientific studies showing that I can even in rats in a laboratory turn on inflammation or turn off arthritic inflammation by the diet. And they dismissed all this. Now, they've been proven 100% wrong and so, look how far we've come. But anyhow, they're still not using, you as the average rheumatologist, they will not tell you, well, don't take the anti-inflammatory medicine. Take these foods. They still won't do that. So, what they found is the following. First, be a vegan. Secondly, end up doing regular fasting, meaning take a day and just have liquids, juices, smoothies throughout the day. Third, follow as close as you can a Mediterranean diet. And, uh, and that's what they did with the, this particular study. And they found that green tea was very important. Curcumin or turmeric was important. Ginger was important. And the whole grain family, such as brown rice. And there's a lot of variety of brown rices. And, and quinoa, millet, also very important. Still cut oatmeal very important. And then the bean family was also good. So if you have those families plus the most important berries would be wild blueberries, dried plums, and pomegranate. Again, dried uh, plums, wild blueberries, and pomegranate on a daily basis that can help with turning off inflammation reducing what are called cytokine, C-Y-T-O-K-I-N-E-S. These are chemicals released by your immune system that can cause problems in rheumatoid arthritis patients. The, and this can all, what I just told you, can reduce joint stiffness, reduce pain, as well as lowering oxidative stress, the ability of the body to counteract the uh, toxic effects of these chemicals. So that's what you can do for arthritis. Now, from University of Virginia School of Medicine, the way to better mental health may go through your stomach. University School of Medicine in Virginia has discovered how lactobacillus, again, lactobacillus, B-A-C-I-L-L-U-S, that's a bacterium found in fermented foods like yogurt or miso or tofu or tempo, helps the body manage stress and may help prevent depression and anxiety. Yes, healthy, good, clean bacteria in your gut. And you can get that having sauerkraut. And you can get low-sodium sauerkraut. Or having even pickles, low-sodium pickles. It's the ferment that creates the prebiotics or probiotics. Having apple cider vinegar and apple cider. Glass of apple cider, warm apple cider with some 
cinnamon stick in it. Really nice this time of year. All of this helps with overcoming depression and anxiety. This was published in the peer-reviewed journal Brain, Behavior, and Immunity. So the findings opened the door to new therapies, natural non-toxic, to help with anxiety, depression, and other mental conditions. Again, lactobacillus. So just read that on the label, because that's good bacteria. Now, if you don't find a product that has that, then why not just buy the high-potency lactobacillus at your health food store? Okay? Now, from Sinan University of Medical Sciences in Iran, an article published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, walking at a speed of four kilograms an hour is linked to significantly lower type 2 diabetes risk. So this is called a brisk walk. It's not race walking. So don't go out and just kind of casually walk. No. Uh, First of all, try to get one pound or two pound weights in each hand and then move your hands at right angles. So it's it's straight down to the elbow and then straight out. And then you pump it and you go very fast, but not, you know, racing fast for at least 20 minutes. When you do that and you do that after a meal, it helps the meal digest better, lowers your blood sugar level so you don't have this spike, and it lowers your risk of type 2 diabetes. According to this study, 15% lower just by doing that for two to three miles. All right? And also, um, one last study here, and this is from Karolinska Institute and published in the Lancet Psychiatry and the Journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry. New findings on long-term treatment of ADHD is linked to cardiovascular disease. A large proportion of patients who start taking ADHD and ADD drugs, especially young adults and children, um, they stop within a year. However, people who use ADHD medication for a longer time are in a higher than average risk of ending up with cardiovascular disease. Now, I went around to schools, both in Florida and New York City, the Drugging of Our Children documentary. And I found that when kids got on Ritalin, they didn't get off Ritalin. They stayed on it. And it is, and contrary to what you're told by your school psychologist or psychiatrist, there is no study showing that any drug at all, including Ritalin, reverses ADHD, cures it, or even increases your chance of doing better scholastically. All of that has been debunked as garbage science. What can happen is it can cause all forms of additional problems with your brain, cognition, attention, and focus. Now, I'm particularly interested in this because I had a friend whose son had ADHD and uh, was not doing well at all. And so I asked, could I work with this, you know, your son? Sure. And the son was 16. And all we did was the following. I took him off his diet, which was a junk diet. I mean, garbage. Uh, And I took him off all dairy, meat, sugars, caffeine, very important. And uh, he didn't even know how much caffeine was in. Uh, He was having a double espresso every morning. That's 400 milligrams of caffeine before he went to school. Cut him off all sugar and energy drinks. And then I got him to use a cell phone with uh, one of the cords, the blue tubes. That's a, you put the, you put them in your ear and then you run this long line to your cell phone and there's two tubes and that absorbs the electromagnetic frequency. And that's how I had to use that. He had to have a distance between himself and his laptop. He had to turn off all electricity in his room at night when he went to bed. He couldn't leave it on because previous to this, he had been putting both his laptop right beside his pillow and his cell phone underneath his pillow. That was beaming right into his brain all night long. 
and he said, well, and his dad, uh, who is, I won't mention what he does because he's well-known still and, and uh, rather famous. And I said, take the time to read this study with your son. And I gave him four important scientific peer-reviewed studies showing that those cell phones beam electromagnetic frequencies right into the brain, and that causes all forms of neuron disruption. It causes inflammation in the brain, and it adversely affects the hippocampal part of the brain. He wasn't aware of this. And then he said, my God, I didn't realize what I was not aware of. Within, get this, within four weeks, his son was no longer taking Ritalin. His son was completely normal. His son could sit through a class and not be agitated or fidgety uh, at home. He was doing his homework. He was, and, and I remember his, he brought his son over to my office one day, knowing I worked late. And they came in. He says, the son just, I just want to say thank you. And he said, I'm embarrassed because we've been friends for a long time. And I've never taken any of this stuff seriously. This got my attention. And from then on, he became an advocate. So I just want to let you know my own personal experience, but then I went on to do two large human-scale studies with people, and many of the, interesting, uh, not many, but three of the people had uh, children, and one had three children and three sons. She was a medical doctor, and her husband was a pediatrician. He didn't come to study, she did. And we had a 94% reversal, 94% reversing all the symptoms of ADHD and ADD after we put him on the program. No pharmaceuticals at all. It was overseen by a board-certified neurologist from Mount Sinai Hospital. And, uh, and he said, you know, and he signed off on the study. So just want to share that with you. That's the latest on health and healing. Give a little extended input. We're going to take a break have something exclusive. Now, what I'm going to do is this. I suggest that if you really care about knowing the truth on subjects that are impacting us now and have, I have some exclusive information that we're going to go to right after this break. I suggest that you call or text your friends. Tune in. Something really important that no one in America knows about. You'll be the first back in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Hopefully today you're hearing the program a little clearer. We had our engineers yesterday working out of our New York office and me down here in my studio in Florida recalibrating, and uh, we think that the sound's going to be better now. In any case, um, yesterday was an interesting day. There were two different discussions about what is happening in the conflict with Israel and Palestinians, or Hamas. Palestinians, the vast, vast, vast majority, are not in conflict with anyone. They just want to be free to have their own state, to have their own way, to have quality of life. And they haven't had that for three generations. Now, Elon Musk went over to see Netanyahu, and he spent the day going on a guided tour of where the settlers were killed, and that's unfortunate. We've condemned that by Hamas. They should be held accountable for crimes against humanity. But at the same time, he did not go into Gaza to see the suffering of all the children, not going through the rubble and saying, here was a building with lots of people in it, and it was virtually, it was just totally turned to dust. And we don't know how many bodies are in there, but, but and then take him to the hospital, showing that there's amputations of children's legs and arms with no anesthesia, they have no medicines, they have no water, they have no electricity, and people just spending nights outside and then afraid to move because wherever they move, they could get bombed. Elon Musk saw none of that, though he's fully familiar with it. He has seen all the videos. And then he said the following, I'll paraphrase him. He said, we've got to kill all of Hamas. Okay, what Israel also says that if you live in the West Bank and you don't get out of the country by going into the Sinai, which they control, 
since the 67 war, they took it away from Egypt, then you're Hamas. So that means then, if we listen to some of the top generals and Netanyahu and some of the top politicians like Food Party, that everybody should be killed. And in fact, that's actually been stated repeatedly that get rid of them all, carpa bomb them. And that's by average citizens. So when Elon Musk said, we've got to kill all of Hamas, A, it's not physically possible to do that. But B, it's now you're giving that credibility. And then he wants to see, he wants to see Israel live in peace and he wants it to prosper. Mm-hmm. What about the Palestinians? What about more dead children than at any time since Rwanda? And that was a 90-day period, and there have been over at least 10,000 and possibly as many as 20,000 children dead in just the last month. That would make it one of the worst genocides against children since the Nazi concentration camps in World War II. No criticism? None. Wow. Did I lose respect for Elon Musk? And here's the question, why? I can't tell you why. I don't know why he decided to do this about face, just be a culpa, go like a little dog with his tail between the legs, who's been caught uh, going on the carpet and soiling it, and uh, paying homage to uh, this maniacal person, Netanyahu. Do they have, did the ha- does Mossad have something on you, buddy? Could they bankrupt any of your businesses? Do they have that kind of power? There's a part of this story we don't know. There's a reason why he went, that he hasn't been open and honest, I feel, my opinion. Maybe we'll know in the time, maybe we don't. But now here's a counterbalancing. Here is a member from Ireland, of Ireland's parliament. The uh, upper and lower chamber send people to the European Union, as all countries do in the European Union. He is speaking out at the European Union, but no one is in the hall. No one wanted to be present when he said this in the European Parliament. Listen to him, a little different. When the US NATO bombed Afghanistan for 20 years and killed several hundred thousands and displaced millions, they were terrorizing the people. A UN survey showed that US NATO bombardments of civilians in Afghanistan, 45% of the people killed were children. When the US killed over a million civilians in Iraq, was that terrorism? When Israel terrorizes the Palestinian people every day, is that terrorism? When France and the UK and others armed the Saudi UAE to commit genocide in Yemen, where the UN said that over 400,000 are dead and 16 million are starving because of a genocide being carried out with the support of the US, the UK, France and several European states, is that terrorism? When he's going to wake up and start living in the real world? Two people both looking at the same videos, seeing the same information, and one sides with Israel and the other sides with the Palestinian people. He's not siding with Hamas. Now, I promised you that we're going to play some information that is really important. And this is a part of our looking at the bigger picture. Who's in control? How they're controlling? How they're getting away with it? How they can commit crimes against humanity? And then the media actually herald them as heroes all the media, and then have total control over all governmental agencies. Quote, this is a, coming from this interview, the CIA analysts were, quote, bribed to change their position on COVID origins as Fauci-led orchestrated efforts to undermine the lab leak original theory. I want to thank Australia's Sky News in this two short documentaries, four minutes and five minutes, and who they bring on. Because the fact is that the Wuhan lab is where the leak occurred. But the creation of a bio bioweapon, remember, it's a bioweapon, 
and we funded it, and it was done in the United States. And now this is going to be coming out. But who's telling us this? How about one of the most powerful men at the U.S. Public Health Service? And Collins headed the health service, and Collins was part of the cover-up with Fauci. And we have all the emails to prove that. And he was wrong on what he said. But remember, the U.S. Public Health Service, under that is the umbrella. They Under that is the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, that's Fauci, that was doing the funding. The, uh, the National Cancer Institute, the FDA, the USDA, National, National Institute of Aging, all of these come under them. So you're talking about one of the most powerful people in the entire uh, government for the first time is whistleblowing. And you're going to hear what he has to say. Here's a brief clip before we get to the big clip. Play the clip. It's pretty extraordinary to, to reveal the conversations that you had with Fauci and Collins. It's pretty extraordinary to publicly say that you did try to downplay the rhetoric around a bioweapon and a lab leak. Are you doing this interview in part because you feel guilty about that? I just feel like it, it's an obligation that I have to, to kind of say what happened. And I think to factually try to portray this, uh, not to, to get sympathy or, or forgiveness, but more to saying factually, here's, here's what happened. This is what we tried to do. Did it work? No. Kudos for this woman who has done more real investigative journalism on what really happened and the fact that this was all covered up and this was an engineered meaning a biological weapon and we've been doing this all over the world with more labs in Ukraine. Why in the world would the Fauci and the U.S. government agree to put laboratories that are creating biological weapons in the most corrupt and most unstable country in the world? But it's also putting them in, they put them in Africa, they have them throughout the United States, and nobody's talking about that story. And why is the Defense Department and DARPA involved in all this? So this is what's now coming out. And I want you right now to take a moment and email your friends and say, listen in right now. You can go to prn.live and hear what we're about to play. And you can watch this. If you go to prn.live, scroll down to archives, scroll down to Gary's notes, because that's where I put articles and videos that are associated with the people I'm interviewing and, uh, to show you a lot more of the material than what I can broadcast in a given hour. Right? So do that right now. Now we're going to go to two clips back to back where top award-winning journalist from Sky News Australia is interviewing a person who is now whistleblowing and he is talking about how Anthony Fauci and the U.S. Public Health Service and all these other characters all orchestrated a cover-up, and he was a part of it. He was aware of it, and he tried to downplay the whole came from a Wuhan lab. No, it came from nature. It did not. You were lied to. You were lied to. This was planned. Listen to what he's going to tell you. That the person that actually got the patent, did you know that there was a patent on the virus before anyone in the world knew there was a virus? How's that happen? How do you end up patenting a virus when we don't have anyone sick from that virus? Why would you do that? And why would you patent a biologically altered virus? Who did that? And how could you get the patent on it? And why did that person suddenly die after jumping off a building in Wuhan, Wuhan Laboratory, where this woman says that wasn't a suicide? And this other person concurred. They're believing the Chinese government killed him because they didn't want anyone tracking the Wuhan virus release back to them. So were they also using American technology and what they what America was doing on gain of function? And this guy got the patent on it? Mind you, you can't have a vaccine that comes out, and they had a vaccine that came out before there was even a disease mentioned. How's that happen? 
That's scientific alchemy. That doesn't exist. Why wasn't that ever questioned? Well, they're questioning it now. Let's go to the clip. You've had time to call and reach out to people because you're going to hear stuff you have not heard before and seen what you have not seen before. In explosive new allegations, a whistleblower has come forward to claim that CIA analysts who favoured the lab leak theory were bribed to change their position. The reason? To take the focus off China and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Over at the office of the Director of National Intelligence, Adrian Keane, who's in charge of global health security, was also understood to be pushing the natural origin narrative. We can now exclusively reveal that in a clear conflict of interest, she has a history working with the World Health Organization. I had found out that uh, apparently she was an outside advisor also um, to the World Health Organization. They are a political agency, they're a UN agency. It's just not appropriate to, uh, to do work for a foreign power, uh, and that would include the United Nations. She was, I believe, an advocate for, uh, for zoonosis, but she was very involved in uh, discrediting the information that we were trying to present to the Secretary of State. Adrian Keene and the ODNI, the peak intelligence body in the US, didn't answer my questions about whether Keene had disclosed this conflict of interest. Instead, they sent this statement, saying they'd complied with all of the intelligence community's analytic standards, including objectivity. Former director of the ODNI, John Ratcliffe, says there's a very strong assessment that this was a lab leak. Listen, the, the people that had access to uh, the most access to the most intelligence, including myself and Secretary Pompeo, are telling you that the most likely origin of, of COVID-19, of the Wuhan virus, was what happened, was a lab leak at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So all of the people that had access to the most data, the most intelligence, will all tell you the same thing, that this is really most likely what happened. And it's more than just a possibility, it's certainly a probability, and it's probably a certainty. Perhaps one reason they're so adamant is because of a crucial witness the FBI has been cultivating over the past two years. It's a close relative of a Chinese military scientist who worked with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He's published almost 60 papers uh, just on his study of SARS, and he was a professional uh, vaccinologist, uh, meaning is that his study was focused on vaccines. His name, Dr. Zhou Yusen. One of the things that we recognized very early in our study of this was he was one of the first individuals to publish a patent for a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. So where does that take the time frame back to? Where would Joe Yusen have had to start working on his vaccine for COVID-19? No later than October of 2019. That's what our assessment is, and it's based on the fact that to do what he was trying to do, that's, that's about the time that he had to start. And, and, and interesting enough, he published papers that described the process that he used to do that. Dr. Zhou Yusen is thought to have begun working on a vaccine for SARS-CoV-2 no later than October 2019. In a mysterious turn of events, just months after this crucial discovery, he was found dead. Intelligence agencies suspect foul play. What do you think about this statement? Zhou Yusen may have been killed by the People's Liberation Army for accidentally starting COVID-19. It's certainly possible. We considered that as a plausible possibility. However, we had no evidence to make that assessment. The Proximal Origins authors have been approached for comment and to appear on this program, as yet, no response. There have been a lot of developments in the investigation to the origins of COVID-19. What do you think has been most significant in the past two years? 
Well, I think what's been most significant is to discover that um, a legitimate scientific debate about the origins of COVID was actually actively suppressed, really, around the world. Sir Richard Dearlove is the former head of the British spy agency MI6. He says stifling of the debate around the origins of COVID was led by Anthony Fauci. We've now, through FOI, Freedom of Information, got a pretty clear idea of what meetings took place, what happened. They put forward one side of the argument, which they, for reasons I don't fully understand, decided to support, and made absolutely sure that the opposite view was not given any oxygen or media publicity. Instead of disclosing the scientists' secret suspicions, Anthony Fauci diverted attention away from the lab leak theory. Dr. Fauci, could you address these suggestions or concerns uh, that this virus was somehow man-made, possibly came out of a laboratory in China? You studied this virus. What are the prospects of that? There was a study uh, recently that we can make available to you where a, a group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequences there and the sequences in uh, bats as they evolve. And the mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. I watched what was happening in the public domain, and I listened to folks like uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. And what he said was that the mutations of the virus were totally consistent with a jump from animals to humans. John Ratcliffe was the United States Director of National Intelligence, the head of 18 different agencies. What I found was that there wasn't any intelligence that supported that, nor was there any scientific data that we could find. In a world exclusive, an insider reveals private discussions he had with Anthony Fauci, where they deliberately decided to downplay the lab leak theory. Dr. Robert Kadlik was a high-ranking official in the US government's preparedness and response department. He reported directly to the president, and he was also technically Fauci's superior. Here, for the first time, he opens up on camera. The key is not to let the story die because there are people who would like it to kind of go away. It's really important to kind of keep people uh, focused on it. And, and I think there has to be accountability across the board. What discussions did you have with Anthony Fauci and others behind the scenes about deliberately deciding to turn down the temperature on a lab leak? Well, it was early on in the event when I did have the conversation with uh, Dr. Uh, Collins and Dr. Fauci. It was the intent then to get the White House involved. What we were trying to do was trying to make sure that politically that you would not get into a situation where people would make accusations or allegations. But quite honestly, what happened was the exact opposite. You and Fauci in those discussions just wanted to turn the rhetoric down. Is that correct? That was it. Kadlik says Fauci was worried about protecting his own reputation, and that could be why he diverted attention away from the lab leak. That would be a natural reaction of him or anybody, you know, particularly, you know, I think for him to saying, you know, what what could this do to me and to my to our institute as a consequence if we were found to have some culpability or some involvement in this? And I think what probably you know, made that even more acute was the fact that they didn't have good visibility into what they were doing and what they were supporting uh, through the grants, through EcoHealth Alliance that went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I think that just, that just probably magnified that concern. It's pretty extraordinary to, to reveal the conversations that you had with Fauci and Collins. It's pretty extraordinary to publicly say that you did try to 
downplay the rhetoric around a bioweapon and a lab leak. Are you doing this interview in part because you feel guilty about that? I just feel like it it's an obligation that I have to, to kind of say what happened. And I think to factually try to portray this, uh, not to, to get sympathy or or forgiveness, but more to saying factually, here's here's what happened. This is what we tried to do. Did it work? No. Okay, I'd like your thoughts later on in the program. I'll take your calls at 888-874-4888. Now we're going to play you another clip since today, since yesterday was on censorship. Today, it's on what we now know about COVID. It was planned. It was created. It was executed. It took years. There were all these patents and no one in the mainstream media, not a single New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Rachel Maddow, no one else look for the patent on the viruses itself and on the treatments. David Martin did, and he has the proof. And there's more evidence about who created this, how they got away with this, and how they're culpable, and how they can be defeated on this. New information that you haven't heard before. Now let's go to a longer clip from David Martin. What's going on with Moderna? And put it in layman's terms to, to as much as you can. And maybe yeah. even start with the bigger picture as in what is Moderna, the history of, what are they trying to accomplish, and what we need to really look out for. Well, so let's start with the, the, the headline. If on March 28th, 2019, and let's get that date burned into our consciousness. If on March 28th, 2019, the following sentence was written in a patent application, quote, because of a concern for reemergence or a deliberate release of SARS coronavirus, vaccine development was initiated. That sentence was written into a patent application on March the 28th, 2019. And you heard what I said. Vaccine development was, past tense, was initiated. So that means before March 28th, 2019, a deliberate release of SARS coronavirus was not only contemplated, but Moderna wrote it into their patent applications. Wow. Just let the chilling fact of what I just said sink in. Right? This is not a company that was operating in the conjecture theoretical world. This was not a company that was in the middle of this anonymous R&D program that was just happenstance to be running along looking at coronavirus. This was a patent application that had first been submitted in 2015. And the United States Patent Office had rejected it. You heard what I just said. They rejected the application, not once or twice, over and over and over again. They rejected this patent application. But on March the 28th, 2019, suddenly a SARS beta coronavirus specific vaccine and specifically not just SARS beta coronavirus, specifically the S1 spike protein, the thing that was allegedly novelly modified in December of 2019 in a bat cave in China, that was specifically referenced in March 2019. Now, keep in mind, and Brian, you know this, the company went public in 2018. This patent application was written March 28, 2019, which means around the time of the IPO, it is reasonable to assume that somebody knew that there was going to be a, are you ready for this? Their words, not mine, re-emergence or deliberate release of a beta coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, wow, is all I have to say to that. And, and you, here's the problem, you know, fact check the hell out of it. It's, it's their words, not mine. This is not my impression. This is their words. Now, you have a history of watching companies do things they shouldn't do. So I'm guessing when you see things like this, you're not as surprised as the general public. I mean, 
because a lot of people think, oh, no, that can't be true. These companies are in our interest. They serve us our coffee and they make our sneakers and they make us healthy. There's no way there's any of this. this you're just a conspiracy theorist. I mean, you know, it, you have, but you see this all the time, right? Correct. Okay. Well, and, and here's the funny thing. Let's, let's make sure we're clear on something. We have a whole bunch of actual criminal conspiracy laws in the United States. Um, we, we have unfortunately decided that the word conspiracy has to be followed by theory because that's what the mainstream media has decided. But this is a conspiracy. This is not a theory. You cannot say that you were working on three other viruses that have nothing to do with coronavirus, and then suddenly on March the 28th, you suddenly have just this aha moment that there might be, in your words, a deliberate release of beta coronavirus. That, that's not an accidental, that's not, that's not Doc Brown in Back to the Future falling off a toilet and hitting his head and getting the flux capacitor. Somebody told somebody that, that this was a real scenario that was worth pursuing. And, and, and so you can't, you can't hide behind the, oh, who would have seen it coming? Well, the answer is somebody saw it coming. And it's not like they filed another thousand patents that day to cover all sorts of other scenarios. No. It was discreet. That's correct. Okay. All right. So that was what? So nearly what? 17 Nine months, months ago. Nine months before allegedly it happened, it happened. Okay. All right. And so walk us through this. What does that mean? And what does that tell us about this company? And what do we need to know about this company? Well, so let's go into the history of Moderna a little bit. It's a very interesting company, and it has backed up its Brinks truck full of armed robbers to the Treasury and has been robbing the U.S. taxpayer for a long time. This company, in its 2019 financial statement, said that it had $187 million of grant funding from the federal government and from foundations that had been untapped. This is a company that presented itself as in financial straits, but we find evidence of hundreds of millions of dollars of grant funding coming from places like DARPA and NIH and NIAID and other places where the company not only is not producing things, but this is the weird thing. Moderna is not a company that has actually had a history of financial success. It's been in the market since 2010 when it started. It started, as you know, with this very interesting alliance between a venture capital firm and a group of researchers in the Northeast here in the U.S. And they just came together and saw an opportunity to exploit a technology they did not own. And that's a big statement, but listen to why I'm making it. There's a company called um, uh, Arbutus um, Therapeutics. And Arbutus has a patent and the patent number, and you know I'm a stickler for details. So the patent number for anybody who wants to look at it, 8,058069, that patent issued to Arbutus is a patent on the, the lipid nanoparticle technology. And, and I'll give you a very simple way to think about that. That's a, it's a complex term, but think of, think of a lipid nanoparticle as the envelope in which you put the messenger RNA to get into the cell. It's, it's the delivery mechanism for the vaccine compound. And that patent, which was issued to Arbutus on the lipid nanoparticle, which is, is critical for the Moderna vaccine, was actually not Moderna's to use. So... Here's a company who in their 130 plus patents have never acknowledged the federal government's support for their research, despite the fact that almost all of it's derived from the federal government. Here's a company that in so doing has violated the federal law over 130 times because the Bayh-Dole Act, which put in motion the law that said that if you get federal funding, you have to disclose it in your patent applications. They have not complied with that law on any of the applications germane to this vaccine or any of the other four that they have candidate trials for. So here's a company who's been compulsively breaking the law. They are not only breaking the law, but they're using someone else's platform technology, the enabling technology without license. And that's the company that Anthony Fauci picks to be the front runner for the preferred Operation Warp Speed vaccine. 
you sit there going, well, hold on a minute. Why are all of these funds flowing to an, a company that has compulsively been an illegal operator for nearly a decade? Sorry, we had a technical glitch there that the David Martin tape, but I'll explain what he, what he was saying. It's a long tape. It's almost an hour. I'll summarize it very quickly. He was showing that for over a dozen years, they were working on being a function research. That's biological weapon. There's no need for that. We should outlaw that. That should be banned. More importantly, there are these laboratories all over the world that the United States has, not, not excluding Russia and China and Israel and others doing their own secret work. But why are they doing this? Well, China let this be known through its Department of Defense that it was doing gain-of-function research purely for weaponizing this. Just like right now, there's a whole discussion I'm going to get to it in depth next week. And in that discussion, we're going to talk about how they're weaponizing artificial intelligence. Yes, they are actually, our Defense Department is saying, we're going to have artificial robots out there with the ability to actually uh, go after people and kill the enemy. And the artificial intelligence will decide, not we, the artificial intelligence will decide about killing. I mean, who does that? You know, when is that acceptable? That you have weaponized artificial intelligence and you think that that's not going to be a problem and you're going to allow artificial intelligence robots to decide who to kill and we have thousands of them? So you see, this whole area has not been explored. And the military-industrial and intelligence complex controls all this, just like it was just found today when he was talking about Moderna, that Moderna now has um, been found through an investigative report to have been spying on anyone everywhere if they are doing anything involving criticizing the Moderna vaccine. And there's, they're looking at over, I believe, 150,000 150, sites. So any site in the world, including mine, that criticizes vaccines in general or anything involving COVID, they're trying to block it. They're trying then to go to social media and government agencies and say, block this, censor this, don't allow this out, discredit it, call it disinformation. And that was just reported today. So you see how this is coming about? So David Martin, more than anyone else, no one else in the world has done this, he specialized in looking at patents. Why would someone want to patent a bioweapon? Why would someone want to patent a virus that had cleaved into it, HIV virus and Christoph Jacob virus and these other these other viruses we'd never seen before, man-made. Why? Unless you had knowledge that it was going to be used. And then you could say, well, you have the solution to it. But it wasn't a solution, was it? Everything they said lied. Oh, it's 95 to 100% effective. It wasn't effective at all. And it also caused all these new conditions to arise. How bad is it? Let me give you one example. Just from today, this is just out. This is from Principia Scientific International. Quote, Moderna is now monitoring websites for anti-vaccine narratives. From William uh, Brenda Metalti, PhD. Through a pharma-funded nonprofit and Talk Walker, a social listening company, Moderna's team run by a former 20-year veteran of the FBI, deploys artificial intelligence to monitor everything from mainstream news outlets to gaming sites. Moderna's disinformation department partnered with an industry-backed nonprofit, the Public Goods Project, to monitor millions of websites and suppress dissident voices on COVID-19 vaccine policy. According to a new report by investigative journalist Lee Fang and Jack Paulson, published on Monday and unheard. Over the last year, the quote, Twitter files two lawsuits 
against the Biden administration and other investigations have exposed instances of collusion among governments, social media, and universities to suppress dissent speech about COVID-19 policies, election fraud allegations, and other topics. This new report sheds light on Moderna's behind-the-scenes strategy within the news, this new media landscape. It exposes key actors and how they work to monitor 150, I'm sorry, I was wrong, 150 million websites for the purpose of censoring speech that undermines the company's COVID-19 vaccine narrative and actively shaping public discourse to benefit Moderna's bottom line. So remember what I was saying yesterday about control the message by propaganda, by censorship, by lobbyists? This now proves unequivocally they've done exactly that. Oh, and by the way, a new study out of Australia shows that they have an unusual spike in myocarditis in young people. And what's the only thing that is different? Vaccinations. And also, who owns all these uh, patents on viruses that we never heard of before, didn't know existed, and now is the basis of all this happening with uh, COVID, the pandemic, the SARS, Anthony Fauci, and all these companies. Long before we knew that there was a problem, they somehow, miraculously, already created what we were told would be the solution. That's not possible. You wouldn't do that. How would you create a cure before you knew where there, there was a disease? There's no disease. No one knows there's a disease, but you have a cure for it. How does that happen? Do you really think that Americans and people around the world are that naive? Well, maybe some are, but not all of us. So that's what David Martin was talking about. Sorry that we couldn't hear it. There was just some glitch. We don't know how it happened. I'd like you to hear from you now. 888-874-4888. That's 888-874-4888. I'd like to hear. Cause, and tomorrow we're going into something completely different. And again, I'm going to give you clips. I'm going to give you commentary. I'm going to give you background and show you how things you thought were coincidental had nothing to do with anything else are all integrated. I also want to today offer a brand new special. Boy, this is a phenomenal one. I want to thank the people in the office who came up with this. First off, it starts with something we all need. I mean, this is, this is not a controversy. And if there's one thing you could do every day to help yourself, it's increase the amount of fruits and vegetables and fiber in your diet. Just Google fiber and health on, on Library of Medicine, National Library of Medicine, and you'll see thousands of studies on fiber and why you need it. It's absolutely essential. Then Google fruits and vegetables, and are we getting enough? The answer is no. Are we getting even a little bit of enough? The answer is no, we're really deficient. And then how much does the USDA say we should have in a day of fruits and servings? Be a cup as a serving. Well, it's five and a half servings per day. Okay. And what, what product out there, including the one that you see advertised on Fox, which is a good product, but it, making a claim originally until we sent them a letter and sent them their lab results that they didn't have a full serving, and that, but giving the impression they did. Still, I'm not criticizing the product. It's not a bad product. It's just you've got to be careful what you say about even a good product. We have what I consider the only product that I'm aware of. If you know, know of a better product or one that exceeds this, let me know. Because we did a lot of homework. Because I wanted to see that if nothing else, the people in this audience, because I'm not, I'm just a little tiny mark, market in my audience. And that's it. I'm not there. I don't have a sales force going to stores or any of that. I want to make sure you're getting all your fruits and vegetables and your fiber. So here's what I've done. I've created a product that does what no one else does. And by the way, there's 430 milligrams of potassium in each serving. All right? I give you the finest fruit and vegetable combination and concentration ever produced. That is not just my opinion, but I want you to see if you can find anything more. 
What do I do? I put mango, black currant, cantaloupe, watermelon, papaya, plums, green peas, zucchini, tomatoes, watercress, squash, um, blackberries. But how I do it is I end up with three servings. You heard me right, three servings. Now that gives you, now let's just say you took a serving in the morning, you took a serving in the evening. You've got six servings. You've exceeded the requirements of the USDA. And if you have six servings from just two scoops of fruit and uh, the uh, fruit and vegetable stuff, then imagine the other servings you have that you prepare raw or cook for yourself. So you're way up there where I'm at and where I believe everyone benefit from being because every one of the products I mentioned, I selected them because of the amount of nutrients, the quality of the nutrients that are going to be released when you, they go into your bloodstream and feed every one of your cells. So a lot of people have tried to copy my green stuff, but green stuff has nothing to do with servings. It has to do with potency of product, specific nutrients that function in the body. I can't make claims, so I can't tell you what I select and do in your body, but they're very important. If you've used it, you know it. Same thing with red stuff and power berry blast. But those are not servings. These are servings. So here's where you get your full spectrum Two, two scoops, you get your full spectrum of fruits and vegetables exceeding what the government even says that you need. But that's part of the product. The second is fiber. And I want you to have the highest quality fiber of any product in the world. All right? You're getting 17 grams of fiber per serving. But it's not just getting some psyllium seed. You're getting apple fiber, oat fiber, flaxseed meal fiber, psyllium fiber, uh, you're getting carrot, cinnamon, rice, uh, ginger, cranberry, fennel, orange, pineapple, lemon, lime, cherry, watermelon, pear, mango, strawberry, and papaya and anise fibers. It's the finest fiber product that I know of in the world. So you're getting your fruits and vegetables and your fiber. That is the beginning of any health program. I don't care who you are, what your age is. If you get this each day, as I'm suggesting, one serving in the morning, one in the evening, you're getting six servings of fruits and vegetables. The average product doesn't even give you one. We couldn't find one serving in any of the products we measured out there. It cost a thousand bucks for each test. We sent letters to company saying, hey, you're claiming you're making all these servings. You're not. So we do. So again, a revolutionary product, first of its kind the best fiber product that I know of, and the best fruit and, fi fruit and vegetable product I know of in existence. But you're also going to get something else with this. You're going to get brand new, you've never seen these, how to expand the dimensions of your life. Now you talk about some unusual steps like harmonizing energies, that was a breakthrough. Life energies, that was a breakthrough. The five uh, steps to uh, being successful, that was a breakthrough. This is one of those breakthroughs. I had it when I was down at the villa last uh, last time, uh, five months ago. And <clears throat> so I brought in my camera guy, flew him in, and I did four lectures. Each lecture explained a different dimension of life. I've never had this discussion ever. It was a breakthrough. I'm sitting there thinking, why don't some people grow out of just what they're used to. Why, why are people stuck in ruts? Why do they not challenge themselves? Why, do not, why would you have fear of letting something go like knowledge so we can gain new knowledge? And it's based upon the dimensions. This is a whole new set of lectures. This is a mind opener. This is one of those, wow. And there are four of them. Brand new. You've never seen them before. The whole package is $325.94. You're going to pay $149. You're saving $175.99. That's a $55 value savings. How do you get it? This package can go out today. Your mind, your consciousness, your energy, your emotions, your awareness, all that's going to be expanded. Now, a few people who are friends of mine that I sent advanced copies to said, wow, this blows my mind. It, it tells me what I didn't know. It explains why I'm stuck in certain relationships or without a relationship, or what I'm doing when I'm, I'm getting bored with my life or my job, or, and what I can do to expand. 
to get rid of depression, anxiety, and fear, insecurity, and uncertainty. Yeah, this is a big deal. So, call this number, 877-627-5065. or call Neil in the Vitamin Closet or go visit him at 35 West 35th Street, 12th floor, at 646-926-5430, 646-926-5430, or go online. You can order it yourself. Remember, now, for the first time anywhere that I'm aware of, you, you can get three servings of fruits and vegetables and one scoop of a brand new fruit and veggie stuff. And this is not to be confused with green stuff, red stuff. Those are functional products. Those are meant to have certain ingredients like chlorophyll and chlorella and spirulina and wheatgrass powder. They are, they are functional, cruciferous. They're functioning for specific functional. This is to cover all your fruits and vegetables. This is different. Okay? And that's you need. You absolutely positively need that. And we, if you take it once in the morning, once in the evening, you exceed the U.S. Department of, um, uh, the Department of Agriculture's recommendations. And you get the best fiber that I know of on the planet in here. So you're helping your mind, you're helping your body, and you're just imagine what that will mean. Oh, 877-627-5065. Sorry that we didn't get any calls. I wish we did. But you can always go uh, over to PRN and give them a message, and then we'll put it on our program. Thank you all for listening, and have a nice day.